You know, there's an old phrase that says you cannot manage what you do not measure. You cannot manage what you do not measure. Along that lines, I want to ask the question for those of you who lead, whether it's a small team or a large team or a global operation. Do you manage the results or do you manage the attitude? <clears throat> do you measure the results or do you measure the thoughts and the attitudes in your team? Because I, I think there's a, there's a diversity of thought out there from the leadership world that says measuring one of those will not actually bring about change. Uh, it will just tell you if it has happened. Which one do you think it is? Do you manage or measure thoughts and attitudes or do you manage or measure results? Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five minute videos, five days a week. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And one of the challenges we have when it comes to management styles and leadership styles is that everybody kind of has their own idea of, of how they work, how they come together, what, what they should be or what they shouldn't be. Uh, there are a lot of schools of camp out there, if you will, about leadership. How do you apply the rules? What what practices do you need to put in place? What do you need to manage or what do you need to measure? What What is true fairness? What does diversity look like when it's in play? How do you uh, keep a team motivated without being so disincentivized that they can't get any work done? And there's a, there's a balance, obviously, in all of those things. But one of the things that I'm studying in the world of coaching is this feedback loop. And, and we've We've looked at the feedback loop before uh, here on Leading Leaders Podcast. It's a little complicated because five to ten minutes worth of time is really not enough to dig into it. But the reality of the feedback loop in almost every environment is that we look at the results and we take that information and feed it back into the input to say, what are the things that we need to do differently? An example might be, and I've heard people teach on this, if you look at last year's goals, and let's say last year's uh, sales goal was a million dollars, and you want this year to have a 12% improvement. Uh, it's pretty aggressive improvement, but 12% would mean that you've got $1,120,000 worth of gross sales at the end of the year rather than the one million. So you're looking at that number. Now the challenge is when you set that goal and you say, we're gonna measure along that number, to reach the $1,120,000 achieved 12% improvement, somewhere you've got to put markers, right? You've got to be able to look at this and say, okay, well, it, it's month three, and so we should have accomplished this, and it's month four. And so as we're going through the quarters, we might say, well, if it's 120 over, then it's 100 each month, and so how do we know whether we're on target or not? Well, we measure the results. We look at where we are. Now, here's the challenge. If what you're measuring is the results and you find that you're in month three and you should be 25% to that 120,000, but you're really only about 8%, it's really easy to get one of two reactions to that. On the one side, you might look at that result and say, well, we're gonna put this 8% growth back into the top of the hopper and go, okay, what do we need to do now to reset the difference? Because it was 12% to reach that by the end of the year, we had to achieve X per month, 1% growth per month, right? But now we're at a place where we're behind the numbers. And so if we look at the results and we put them back into the hopper, now we gotta recreate our path to success because now we gotta run faster in a shorter period of time. We gotta climb harder in, a, in, a, in less amount of time. That it, we, can we even do this? 
And again, if you reach the six month point and you're doing the same thing and you're taking your current results, which may be lagging behind and shoving them back into the hopper of, of the process, now you're asking yourself, how in the world can I do in six remaining months what I haven't done in the first six months, number one, and number two, what should have taken a year to do, but now I've got to catch up all this gap. I've been uh, browsing through it. This is on my reading list. I haven't gotten to it yet. This is uh, Patrick Lencioni's um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And there's a great little chart on page 174 where he kind of goes through the five dysfunctions and then also talks about kind of their counterbalance or what happens. So at the bottom of the pyramid, he says absence of trust is one of the five dysfunctions. And he says part of the, the uh, reflection of that or the symptom of that will be invulnerability. And I think we see that quite a bit, right? When, the, when leadership isn't willing to expose what the actual problem is, are, are we looking at results? Are we looking at the attitude? What is it that we're measuring? If they're not willing to share that with you, then as a performing team, it's really hard to stand up and say, I, I know what I'm after. I know what goals I'm trying to achieve. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. Next, he talks about the fear of conflict and says that, you know, if, if the fear of conflict exists in your organization, then what you may have is artificial harmony. People aren't really getting along. They're not really pushing each other to be better. And there goes your accountability. But instead, they're just, you know, faking it till we make it. They're, they're finding a way to get through the day without, you know, smacking somebody in the head. They're, they're doing all they can to make it seem like life is peaceful, even when inside they're being torn apart. Uh, number three on the five myth, the five dysfunctions of a team is the lack of commitment, and that leads to ambiguity. Next is the avoidance of accountability, which leads to low standards. And then the, intention, the inattention to results, which is about status and ego. Now, this is kind of what caused me to say, are we measuring attitudes or are we measuring results? Because attitude is a, it's a cause side of the cause and effect cycle. Attitude according to neuroscientists, is the combination of what you think and what you feel. How you feel about what you think and how you think about what you feel. And so the, the base root of every behavior starts in your thinking. Every thought that is a subconscious thought, usually the, the habits that we find ourselves in that we don't really think about. Let me take that to an example. If you've ever pulled up in front of your house, but your mind has been on something else, and when you pull into the driveway, you think for yourself, oh, well, I didn't even realize I turned on my street yet. That's what happens when habitual thinking takes over and we do things out of habit rather than doing things that we're consciously thinking about. See, the challenge for a lot of organizations is that we don't measure, we don't manage thoughts and attitudes. And so the thoughts and the attitudes, whether they be around conflict resolution or false harmony, whether they be around diversity or uh, fear of conflict, the inability to work through those things because... We're only driven by that number goal. We're only driven by those actual results. They cause us to look at a false feedback loop. What we're doing is allowing that number or that result or that end goal to feed how we think and feel about everything else, which kind of asks that question, does the ends justify the means? Is it a matter of however we get to that goal, whatever we have to do to achieve that goal is fair game? Have we abandoned some of the thinking processes, just the, just the concept of thinking alone, where we take the time to mentally check out of every daily responsibility for a moment, 
and just ask ourselves honestly, am I, am I on board with this? Am I doing what I need to do in a minute-by-minute -minute basis? Am I consciously aware of the decisions that I'm making and how they will or will not eventually feed the, the results? Because if we're only measuring the results, then we're going to constantly get a feedback loop that says, this is what I've already got. When I put that back in there, I'm going to get more of the same. If I'm thinking, look, I'm looking at my numbers at halfway through the year and I'm already 40% behind. The thought process is I'm already 40% behind. I'm already 40% behind. I'm already 40% behind. And that is not going to feed success. That's going to feed failure and anxiety and disharmony. So yes, we have to, we have to be able to look at the results. We've got to be able to look at the measurement tools. But I'm challenging you to ask yourself as a leader, are the results also asking the question, am I a cause or am I a fact? Am I inputting into my life as a leader and into my team as functioning members of my team? Am I inputting into them the questions necessary to ask the questions they need to ask? Let that one settle in for a minute. Am I asking the questions necessary for them to ask the questions they need to ask? Or have I simply driven a, a, a peg in the ground or drawn a wall around the end result? I don't care how you get there. Just get there. As long as it's legal and nobody gets in big trouble over it, just hit that number. If that's what we're striving to do as leaders, to drive the result and the result alone, then we may find that we reach the result from time to time, but we end up with a complete turnover of our team because they're burnt out, they're frustrated, they have a fear of conflict, they're not seeing the resolutions they need, they're not seeing the accountability at the highest level, and, and being driven by the results alone is all about ego. So I, I want to challenge you as leaders. If you don't have this book, I, I challenge you to pick it up. I'm sure I, as I read through it, I'll be talking about more of it as well. But the idea is that we have some dysfunctions in our team and they almost always start with leadership. That's, that's a level of accountability that we need to take. The dysfunctions in our team almost always start with the leadership and those dysfunctions almost always start in our head. In fact, they always start in our head. How they manifest themselves, that could be different, but they always start in our head. They start with our thoughts and our belief systems. So rather than just measuring results, ask yourself the question, what thoughts led to these results? What was I thinking that led me through this process to achieve these results? And if those are great results, magnify those thoughts. If those are great results, think those thoughts again, go through that process again. And if they're horrible results, don't focus on the results. Ask yourself what thoughts got me to these results and how could I change those thoughts? I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.